Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I was explaining in the previous program that there can be a distinct advantage that a person can have if they try to live a life of obedience to the Mosaic Law, or any religious law for that matter, if they take the time to try and be committed to living a life that they cannot live, then they will eventually discover that they can't live that life. And the more committed a person is, the more devoted, the more sincere they are, the better it will be for them because they will have really given it a sincere effort, a true effort, to eventually discover that there really is something wrong with them. When a person discovers that there really is something wrong with them, then they can truly appreciate the value of the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the acceptance of God. There is a real opportunity to really appreciate who he is when you contrast your life without him trying to attain or trying to obtain a relationship with him or you may believe that that is your relationship with him, only to discover that you really have no relationship with him at all. You only have this relationship with yourself where you're trying to get yourself under control, only to discover that you can't. And when you do, it is then that you can have the opportunity to embrace the love of God, the forgiveness of God. Now, for those who have not had the opportunity, or who have not really tried, they have not really enjoyed the life that they cannot live. They have not really embraced a system of bondage, a real religion. For those who have not done that, I don't think that they can really appreciate the value of the love of God and the acceptance of God. I don't think that they can really appreciate the value of the new covenant in the same way. I mean, I do believe that they can appreciate the value of it, that they can enjoy it, that even though they were not necessarily living a life like a real devoted legalist or religionist or something like that, even though they weren't totally devoted, they could have been devoted in some ways or they could have been trying to live a right life in their own ways. There there are ways that a person can eventually discover how depraved they really are so that they can truly appreciate his sufficiency in light of their depravity. But What I really believe is, is that there is great value in the burdens that people experience when they are trying to live a life they can't. And when a person does, there is a greater opportunity to appreciate the love of God. Now, when Paul was writing his letter to the Galatians, I believe that some of the Galatians who he was writing to experienced this life in the synagogues in their local area, that they did experience a life of obedience to the Mosaic law, but that others did not, and that the others, those who did not, may be easy victims of those who would come later and encourage them to try to live a life of obedience to the Mosaic law. They might be an easy victim 
to that belief because they haven't been there before. They don't really know what that can be like or what that's about. They don't know the emptiness of what is there, that there is nothing there. I believe that that's what some of the Galatians were facing when Paul was writing his letter to them. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So the Apostle Paul suggests that it is a different gospel, that they are hearing a different gospel and they are pursuing a different gospel. But in effect, there's no gospel there at all. Gospel in the sense of good news, that they are falling to a different message that is not a good message at all and definitely is not the message of Christ. That this is who he has taken the time to write to, that he is marveling, that he is amazed, that they are turning away. But I believe that a person can be deceived very easily, especially if they have not really experienced this transition of going from a life under the law to a life of grace. If they haven't really experienced that, then it can be easy for them to fall victim to other people who are presenting other messages that may sound very sincere, that may sound right, that can easily sound right. Now, this is how it happens. It's really very simple. The only way that a person can experience a transformation within who they are as a being is through the love of God. It is the love of God that transforms an individual. It is the love of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness, to unrighteousness. It is the love and the acceptance of God that fulfills the deepest part of our being, that transforms us from the inside and conforms us to his image. That is the only way. Our God created us in such a way that only he can meet the deepest needs of our heart to transform and change us into who he wants us to be. But this is something that takes time. This takes time. And if a person has not experienced the condemnation of the law, they may not rest in the love and acceptance of God long enough for it to have an effect in their life. Again, if a person has not experienced the emptiness of living a life under the law, if they have not experienced that, then when they believe in the love and grace of God, they may not trust in, they may not rest in the love and acceptance of God long enough for it to have an effect in their being before they are tempted by the law of God, before they are tempted to live a life according to the knowledge of good and evil. This is a sensitive time for an individual. When an individual first gets saved, there is a time of sensitivity where they can easily be deceived because the Holy Spirit has not yet done a work in their heart, a work in their being, the kind of work that does often take a significant amount of time. This is a very real problem, and sometimes people try to take command of their own life. They try to take control of their own life, and they try to find a way to change who they are without the Spirit of God doing that change within them. Sometimes a new believer can be under tremendous pressure. You know, they get saved, they believe in Jesus, They're around other Christians, many of which are 
probably mature in their faith, or at least they pretend to be mature in their faith, they can be under a tremendous amount of pressure to make changes in their life, to do things in their life, to start doing those things they should be doing, and to stop doing those things that they shouldn't be doing. And out of this pressure and out of this desire within themselves to want to experience some transformation in their life, they may take matters into their own hands. This is very common. This happens a lot. People will take matters into their own hands and not wait on the Lord to do His work in their lives. And out of sincerity, out of a desire to be accepted by other people, out of a desire to be accepted more by their God, they know that it's real, they know that God will reveal Himself to them, but they want it to happen a little sooner, a little quicker, and so they will begin to change their lives on their own. They will begin to live their lives according to the law as opposed to living their lives according to the grace of God because the Holy Spirit has not really revealed himself to them in a way that they can be led by the Holy Spirit in the same way that a mature believer will be led by the Holy Spirit. This is a very sensitive time for a new believer when they first come to know the Lord. Now, the Apostle Paul mentions in verse 7, this is Galatians chapter 1, verse 7, that there are people who want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Well, from his point of view, it's a perversion, and I would agree, of course. But from their point of view, they would not be perverting anything. They would be doing what they believe is right. They may believe that what Paul shared with these people was a perversion of the gospel. Now, this could be because they view the gospel differently, or they may add things to the gospel that shouldn't be there. For example, if you were to ask them, do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? They would say, absolutely, yes. He is the one who has fulfilled all the prophecies, and they could spend hours or days going through the scriptures to show you Jesus in the scriptures. Do they believe that he died for the forgiveness of sins? Yes. Do they believe that he came to give us the Holy Spirit? Yes, absolutely. But that's not all that they believe. They believe that now that we have the Spirit of God, now that we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, we should then look at that as greater incentive. We should look at him as the one who is real, who is true. And because we believe in him more than anyone, we should be more devoted, more committed to living the life that he said we should live when he was here teaching. And of course, what he was teaching was the law. That was the covenant that was in effect until after he died and rose from the dead. He taught the law, and we should be more committed to living the life that he described, which was a life under the law. We should be more devoted to that because we believe in him. We're going to follow him. We're going to be like him. He rose from the dead to show us that he is real, that God is real. And so do it. Be committed. Be devoted. Because to many people, the alternative is a life of sin. I don't believe that. I believe that the alternative is a life under the grace of God, under the love of God, which is a completely different way of life. That there are three ways of life. One is a life under sin. The other life is a life under the law, which by default turns out to be another life under sin. And the other life is the new life in Christ that we now have available to us because of what he did for us already. But there are others who will say that Jesus is the incentive. 
He is the incentive to live a life of repentance and obedience. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us in order to empower us to live a life of holiness. Now, I believe that the Holy Spirit within us will transform and change us. I do believe that. But I do not believe that he's some kind of extra power supply that allows us to live a life of holiness. I don't believe that. I believe that he can transform us into a different person. But I do not believe that he empowers us as the person who we are to live in a way that we could not do on our own. That I don't believe. But I suspect that that is probably what they were telling the people in Galatia, that they could now live a life of obedience to the commandments because the Holy Spirit was within them. And so let's start with commandment number one, commandment number two, commandment number three, and eventually their whole life will be defined by living according to the law of Moses. And that becomes the new gospel. The new gospel. The good news is that Jesus has now empowered you to live a life of obedience to the Mosaic law. And I don't believe that. I believe that the Holy Spirit was given to us so that he can transform us, yes, so that the amount of sin that we experience in our life will be reduced, absolutely. But that that is a side effect of the relationship we have with our God, not the goal. The gospel that would be promoted by someone who is encouraging someone else to live according to the law is a gospel, a good news, that has nothing to do with knowing your God. What it has to do with is knowing and transforming yourself and becoming a better person yourself. But I believe that that is a perversion of the real good news. The real good news is that now you may know your God. That is the good news. That is the gospel. That he has resurrected you from the dead. He has given to you his spirit to dwell within you so that he may reveal himself to you so that you may know who he is. That is something different. So what is the motive? What would be the motive? Why would somebody want to pervert the gospel as Paul described it? Why would they want to do that? I believe that the reason why they would want to do that is because they would feel compelled to do that. If they do not know the power of the grace of God, if they don't know the power of the love of God, then all they have is the law. And if all they have is the law, then they have to live by the law and their evangelism, their evangelism will be a life devoted to getting other people to live in the same way. They would be compelled to do that because if they don't, then they would fail. They would fail before God because they are not trying to help others. They are not loving others by showing them the way of life that they believe that they would need to live. So the perversion that Paul describes could very well have been done out of sincerity. They could have been very sincere about what they believed, but they were sincerely wrong. And when a person turns away from the love of God to turn towards the law of God, then they are turning to something that is different from what our God has called us to. He has called us to him so that we might live in the newness of life. Again, it can be very easy for a person to do that if they have not experienced the law before because they wouldn't know any better. Now, what does the law say about an individual 
who tries to live this way and fails. And of course, everyone will fail because that's what happens. If you don't believe me, then you're just going to have to try it and be more sincere about it. Be committed and you will eventually see what I'm talking about. I believe that a lot of people just kind of dabble with the law. They don't really live their lives being really committed to what they say that everybody else should be committed to. When people would come to me to tell me that I needed to live my life according to the Mosaic Law, I have found that they are not as committed as they claim that they are, and in most cases they're trying to get me to be more committed than they are, probably to inspire them more or something. But I personally find that people are not really sincere about what they really believe. Sometimes they are actually just wanting to turn away from the grace and mercy of God. They're wanting to turn away from that, and they're trying to turn to the law. Sometimes it's just a matter of rejecting grace than embracing law. But sometimes people are devoted to embracing the law. But I believe a person should really pursue it. If they're going to do it, then do it. And that's what I tell people. Listen, if you want to do it, good for you. You do it. But don't play around with it. Don't dabble with it. Be committed. Be true. Be sincere. So that eventually you'll be driven to the point of despair. The point of absolute and utter failure. Be true to it. Live according to the law. Really fulfill all that God demands. And what you will find is, is that when you fail, you should be the recipient of what the law says about you who fail. The law says that when you fail, you are to be cursed. You know, a lot of people look at the law and they see that they will be blessed by God if they do live in obedience to it. And sometimes that is the appeal. People just really want to be blessed. And they believe that they can do enough. They believe that they can obey enough adequately so that God will bless them in return. Or that if they obey five commandments, then he'll give them a little bit of blessing. And if they obey ten commandments, then he'll give them a little bit more. They really believe that there's some kind of graduated scale of some kind concerning blessings. Now, I just don't see that in the law at all. What I see in the law, what I read in the law, is that if you fail to obey all of the commandments, not just some of them, but all, all of them, then you will be cursed. Deuteronomy chapter 28. You will be cursed. That is what you're going to get. Now, who is going to live in obedience to all of the commandments? No one. Absolutely no one. And so, who is going to be cursed? Everyone. Absolutely everyone. And who is going to be blessed? No one. Nothing. No blessings at all. If anything good happens to you, then good for you. But I would seriously doubt that that was divine intervention because of your lifestyle or your obedience or repentance or whatever. No, everyone will be cursed. And this is a very important word to remember and to understand and to know because if you don't know this word, I don't think you can fully appreciate Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, but even if we or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. What is the gospel? Any other gospel is going to involve the law. Or part of the law, but part of the law, all of the law, doesn't matter. It will still have the same effect you will not obey to the standard that God would require. And so you will constantly live knowing 
that you are under the condemnation of God, and so you should expect that he will curse you. You should expect the cursings of the law. Let him be accursed. Let him be. Why would he say that? He would say it in that way because that was the condition that this person was in before, and they're in the same condition now. Just let him be. Let him be how they were before. Let him be how they are now. Let him be accursed. I believe that that is the tone by which he says that. And then in verse 9, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed. The gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus, is that he has forgiven us of our sins. He forgave all sin so that he could restore to us the Holy Spirit that was lost in Adam. Now that the Holy Spirit has been restored, now that the Holy Spirit has been offered to humanity, restored to humanity, anyone who is willing to receive the Holy Spirit as a free gift will receive that Spirit. They will be resurrected. There is only one way that the Holy Spirit will depart from within an individual who he indwells according to the law that God established in the Garden of Eden, is sin. But he has died for all sin. He took away the sin of the world, so that there is now no sin that could possibly cause the Holy Spirit to depart from within us. Now, through taking away all sin, he has taken away the law, which is the definition of sin. There is nothing that you can do that would put you in a situation where you would require, you would need the forgiveness of God because you already have the forgiveness of God. And what he gave is all that he is going to give. What he did when he died on the cross was enough. He's not going to come and do it again. You have forgiveness so that you can receive the Holy Spirit and be resurrected from the dead. And if you are resurrected from the dead, then you will never be dead again. You will never lose the Holy Spirit that is within you. But as soon as a person then turns to the law, the very thing that God gave to drive us to the point of embracing the gospel, if a person goes back to that, if you return to that, then you're going to have to take the whole package. And the whole package of the law is to be accursed. Now, of course, you're not because of the forgiveness. But let him be accursed. You will live as if you are accursed. You will live as if you are cursed by God. You will be separated from God in your own mind, but not in the reality of the mind of God. You will be deceived. You will turn away. But that doesn't mean that you're lost. It just means that you're confused that you were deceived and you're following a different gospel. But you will be accursed and you will remain in that condition. And I believe that that is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And it only takes one law. It doesn't take a lot of law to accomplish this. Now, again, if a person has not experienced living their life according to the knowledge of good and evil, according to what is right, according to what is wrong, according to the law of Moses, according to the law of the church, according to whatever law they come up with in their own mind, if a person has not really had the opportunity to embrace that, well, then a person can be an easy target for this, because if they don't know what it really means to be accursed, to feel that separation between themselves and their God, then what 
does it mean to them to say you will be accursed or that you will live under a curse? What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything to them because they've never experienced it before. And so if you encounter a person who gets deceived in this way, then all you can really do, if they really embrace it, all you can do is encourage them to be committed to what they claim, to really be sincere to what they claim, so that they will eventually feel the curse of God in their own mind, so that they can return to his grace and mercy and love and trust in what he has done, instead of trying to trust in what they may or may not do on his behalf. Now again, as I mentioned earlier, the important thing that I want you to consider is to have patience. If you have not experienced the curse of God because of your pursuit of the knowledge of good and evil, if you have not tried to live a life of holiness according to your repentance and obedience, and you have not experienced the failure that results from that, then have patience. Have patience and allow the love and acceptance of God to have a work in your heart. Because if you do try to take matters into your own hands, if you try to change who you are through your own enthusiasm, if you seek his condemnation, if you seek his curse in your life, hoping that you will then have some incentive to live in a holy way, then you've missed it completely. You have missed the grace of God, the intent and the purpose of the grace of God. You are no longer resting in his love for you. Now, I have done some programs on this subject that are titled Overcoming Sin, and I would definitely like to encourage you to listen to those programs for further information on this subject. In those programs, I give an explanation concerning the most common ways that people try to overcome the sin in their lives, the common ways that people try to live a life that gives the appearance, at least, that they truly have had a change of heart, that the Lord has done a work in their heart, when in reality he may not have done that quite yet. But in the next program, I am going to proceed and continue in the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you.